we're all here. We lived through the millennium change, right? <laughs> I got to tell you, I'd put off Christmas shopping. I, I'd put off even today's sermon. I thought, you know, why bother if it's going to end on Friday night? But we're here. <laughs> Actually, I got a few comments from people. So, Larry, you're really sort of gluing Christmas and solstice together. Are, are you sure that's kind of a good idea? And uh, and, and certainly I invite you all t- uh, to be here tomorrow night because uh, for Christmas Eve we're going to have a, a lovely a- and quite traditional Christmas service with carols that we'll be singing a- and uh, and all kinds of things. But you know, it occurred to me that the essential nature of both solstice and Christmas are really very same. The energy, if you will, the thoughts behind them, the idea of them, in many ways, are aimed at exactly the same thing. And so I wanted to explore that with us today. So yes, we're doing solstmas or... or, or or Christus, or or, or or something, and uh, and uh, and forgive me if it gets too crazy. All right. Um, so one of the things that some people know, some people don't know, is that even Christmas itself was chosen to correspond with the solstice. So nowhere in scripture does it actually say when the Christ child was born. Nowhere in there. And in fact, if you wanted to do a a scriptural analysis, I would guess it was either in the spring, the summer, or the fall. Any time but the middle of the year. Otherwise, there wouldn't have been lambs, right? (laughs) Believe me, the shepherds would not have been outside with the flocks in mid-rainy winter. So we know for sure it wasn't December 25th, but some interesting things were going on at that time in the world every year on December 25th. Huge pagan feasts were being held in Rome at that time, and Christmas really came about uh, one of the early uh, Roman popes decided, you know, we need to capitalize on this energy. There is something here that the pagans are celebrating that is really important to everyone. And why should our house of worship be silent on this night? And so so in order to provide a celebration for the early Christians, they absolutely stole the date. They did not, however, steal the intent. Christmas, solstice, they're both about light they're both about connection and families. They're, they're both about coming together as a, as a community and as, and as family groupings and as, and as people in the world to illuminate the darkest of times. This has been going on, you know, long before there was a Jesus, long before there were any identifiable names out there. People picked perhaps sometimes the loneliest and most isolating times of the year to come together and dispel that, to recognize that love is present, to recognize that light and life are present, whether it's the darkest days, whether it's midwinter, who cares? Life is eternal. Love is present. The, the goodness and the joy we can bring upon us no matter what the weather's doing outside, no matter whether it's the shortest day of the year or any day of the year. 
And so very purposefully, those early leaders of the Christian church decided, let's capitalize on this. Let's move into this. Why should our people not have a time of celebration in midwinter? And so uh, even the very early Christians had the idea of mass. And so they thought, let's even name it something a little special. Let's call it the Christ's Mass. And so the whole idea of Christmas, there you have it. Now I'm going to um, do a little monkey wrench in here. So far, things are tying together nicely. So, uh, so of course, I'll, I'll mess with it then, you know. Uh, <laughs> we've been using a, a lovely book of Eknath uh, Eswaran's this month called Take Your Time. And it's really been a call for all of us to spend a little more time this holiday season doing what's important. And it's probably not shopping. And it's probably not some of the wild parties. It's probably aimed at the people who are important to us, right? And Aswaran is saying that we have a, a very uh, clear and present danger in the world right now. And he talks about it as speeded up America, speeded up world. And uh, he talks about people hardly having the time to even say hello anymore to their friends and their neighbors, right? I mean, think about what a typical day is like. If your day is at all like mine, uh, there's not even time for breakfast in the morning. Do you know what I mean? We, we plunge up. We're lucky to have a Pop-Tart or a kind of a moving ball bowl of cereal as we're getting, getting ready for work. Many of us are, are, are literally like checking with the kids as we go out the door. Did you finish your homework? Do you, do you have your lunch? Do you know what I mean? And then we go off to our jobs. Uh, uh, those of us who, who stay at home are, are equally busy doing other things. Uh, the, the kids then from, from school are quickly ferried off to sports activities and, and other things. We, if we've gone shopping during the day, we're in the easy checkout line, so we don't even talk to anybody. If we have to go to the bank, we use the ATM on off, off hours, right? All of this busyness is doing something a little scary to us. It is having the effect of marginalizing the very thing that's important to us, which is the people. No need for bank tellers anymore or visiting with them. We have the ATM. I'll do most of my Christmas shopping on the internet. The, even, even our own children, what are we saving all of this time for so that we can watch more TV in the evening? Do you know what I mean? I worry that in our efforts to streamline life and, and, and make it more to our liking, more uh, orderly, we've actually mechanized the love out of our lives. It used to be you'd spend some time visiting with people at the bank or on the street. You know the names of all of your neighbors and their kids and what they were up to. I don't think there's time for that anymore. Well, of course there is. <laughs> we're just choosing to not have the time for that, aren't we? So Iswaran, I think, has a, an extremely extremely timely point. He says, what's the cure for modern society? What's the cure for some of the things that have gone wrong, wrong in the world? And in particular, I want to address the, the issue of some of the tragedies that have taken place. This very month, there's been, uh, I, I mean, I'm not even sure that my own heart has completely processed it yet, but between a shooting at our own Clackamas Town Center and then the tragedy in Connecticut, this could be one of the symptoms 
of that distancing of ourselves from our own neighbors, not even knowing what our own children are up to, not having a place where the people that are disfranchised or, or feeling isolated in the world, not having a mechanism for them to be able to find safety and hope in this crazy world. What's the cure for this? I don't have an easy answer, but I do have some clues. And they are absolutely right here in this idea of solstice and Christmas. They're absolutely right here in this idea of taking additional time, really being present with people, really listening to what's going on in our own lives, in our communities, and in the world. It's slowing down. It's seeking out real and meaningful connections with people, and not just the people that live in the same house as us. It's connections with family. It's connections with the, the people that we have business interchanges with. It's, it's connecting with those that are less fortunate than us or, or have a different color to their skin or a different socioeconomic range. It is really taking ownership for our lives, our community, and the, the connections that span all of those things. It's also listening. Has it been a while since you've really, really listened to some of the people that you care about the most? Do you really know what's going on and what's important in the lives of your children or grandchildren, in your next-door neighbor even? in the people that you work with? Have you taken the time and are you living with intention? Are you going with what you know is right and just in terms of showing up in the world that will make this a safe and beautiful place? Well, if you're like me, feeling the, the loss of some of the tragedy in the world right now, first of all, I wanna offer, I wanna offer up myself uh, Reverend Sharon Lee Foley, our practitioners, all of us are here for you as individuals. If anyone here is hurting still from these tragedies or other things going on in your own lives, please, um, uh, you know, there's a roster of telephone numbers. Um, you can call the center here, of course, Reverend Sharon or myself. We are here to serve you. We are here, if we can, to comfort you and above all, to listen to you, to let you know that you've been heard. So, so please count us in on that. You don't need to go through anything that you're going through alone. But more than that, I want to invite each one of us to really make a difference in this world. And so I'm going to, uh, to lead us in a short spiritual practice that we do in the science of mind called visioning. And I'd like you just for a moment just to close your eyes if you would. And I'm simply going to ask three questions. And as I ask these questions, I'd like you to just allow your mind to come up with its own answers. Each of us, I think, believes we have a connection to that higher power, to that spirit or God that we know in our own heart, in our own mind. And I would like that still small voice, that spirit within, to answer these questions, each of us silently for ourselves. And the first question is simply, what is spirit's highest vision for a world that works for everyone? What is spirit's vision for a world that works for everyone? We ask and we listen.
what is that highest vision for a world that works for everyone? Next, I'd like to ask, what is my role? I believe that each one of us has a role in bringing about that high vision for safety, for love, for a world that works for everyone. What is my role? We ask and we listen. And finally, we ask, what is the next step? This birthing of a new world, this, uh, this high vision for a world that works for everyone, what is the next step in this transformation? We ask and we listen. as we bring our consciousness back into the room, simply make a mental note of the thoughts and ideas, the words and pictures that may have come to you. I truly do believe that we can make this a world that works for everyone if each of us take the time.